During this episode, we spend time with Marty Govin, CEO for Tillis, a fast-growing startup pioneering precision devices to modernize IVF treatments. As a serial entrepreneur, Marty is driven to eliminate the heartbreak of infertility impacting millions. While together, Marty shares how Fertilis provides unprecedented environmental control and standardization to improve outcomes. Additionally, Marty unpacks the future of microfertility innovations, addressing systemic issues limiting accessibility and success rates, as well as global population health impacts, driving increased prioritization and access. Join us as Marty advocates for supporting people emotionally and physically on their journey to start a family, while also sharing his dedication to helping IVF finally live up to its extraordinary potential through continuous improvements. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Marty. A big welcome to our podcast today. Morning, Mike. Great to see you. Well, as a serial entrepreneur who has created global impact with your nine plus ventures and now dedicated to the mission of ending infertility, I'm really excited for this conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Marty, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Fertilis team are creating a better way to care for embryos in an IVF clinic. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Look, this is really the key piece of advice I would give anyone who's starting up a new business, but it particularly applies in the healthcare universe. And that is, you've really got to get a product market fit, as the, as the VCs like to call it. That's really about as simple as saying, even when you have barely even thought of an idea, even when all you've got is a, the back of a napkin, go find some customers that you can talk to about your idea. And that's the people who pay and the people who benefit. Unless you find those people, unless they are incredibly enthusiastic, it's a very crowded world out there, you're going to struggle. Marty, I absolutely love this piece of advice. I'm fortunate to be surrounded by fellow entrepreneurs and startup founders. And this is the piece of advice that I share the most as well, Marty, because you know we can sometimes get into our own little heads and think this new technology, this new product is the best thing ever invented. It's from my mind. I believe in it so much. But it doesn't matter what we believe. Unfortunately, I'd hate to say that, but it doesn't matter what we believe. You have to find somebody that would, like you said, product market fit, that it is solving a need, that somebody can pay for it, and somebody will pay for it, and that somebody is benefiting from it. Marty, has that mindset and that piece of advice, has that carried you through several of those startups that you've had before? Or have you had some tough lessons learned in the past as well? Absolutely tough lessons learned. And no more likely in your first setup than your ninth. So this is a, you know, a hard one lesson because you could, as you say, I mean, 
there's two things I would say. On the one hand, you wouldn't be a startup founder unless you're an optimist. And therefore, you're inclined to see you know, confirmation bias and this is going to get me there and we just need to sort of tweak this a bit and then we'll get what we want. And then you combine that with a, a corollary of product market fit idea, which I really like, is uh, you are not your target customer. And even if you are, even if you actually have the health condition you're trying to treat, you are still not your target customer because your target customer doesn't know about you. It's so true. That is so true, Marty. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is something that, uh, you know, I wish more founders, I wish more entrepreneurs would live and almost, almost live and, you know, quote unquote, live and die by that because it is such an important foundational building block to create new innovation, new technology, and new products and services. So thank you for sharing that, Marty. I can't wait to hear a little bit more how you've applied that to your new company, Fertilis. You guys have been around a bit. You guys are getting after you're getting out the gates, building a wonderful technology and service. We're going to discuss Fertilis and more after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Marty Gavin, CEO of Fertilis. Marty, thank you so much for setting the stage on the front end. Couldn't agree with you more. Product, market, fit, incredibly important. I know we're going to talk a bit about that today with all the things you guys are building at Fertilis. But of course, Marty, I want to go back. This is your ninth venture now. You have been at it. You have been there. As uh, I like to say, proverbially, you've bought a lot of t-shirts uh, in regards to that journey as well. Uh, you know, that's an incredibly storied career. So we're going to talk about why now, why fertility, why is this, you know, where your passion lies today after everything that you've already accomplished. So we'll talk about that journey of how come now, how come Fertilis, how it came to be, who is Fertilis, and then of course, where you're going and of course, how we can be helping you out. This community is filled with amazing, passionate leaders in the space, community members helping community members out, which includes our guests just like yourself. So Marty, let's first start there. Take us back behind the scenes. How did this all come to be in the first place? How did you know fertility hit your radar and why Fertilis? Yeah, sure. So my very good friend and co-founder, Jeremy Thompson, Professor Jeremy Thompson, I've known him since our daughters were in elementary school, which is like 17 years ago. And our wives are best friends and they go walking on Fridays and you know they live up the street and all this kind of stuff. And I knew him probably early on as an academic. And then later on, I sort of, you know, people said, oh, he's an embryologist. And I didn't even, didn't even really know what that was. And I was starting whatever it was, Company 4, Company 5, while that was all going on. And we got to know each other better. And he was talking to me one day about an idea he had for a device. And I still didn't really understand it very much, but he described it as, it would be great to be able to control the environment 
that an embryo is in by putting it inside a tiny box. And I definitely remember this conversation because he was talking about, you know, how would we build a lid for it and things like that. And my background's engineering. So I was going, well, you know, I can talk as that engineer. I can be the sounding board for that conversation. But a couple of years later, he and I were talking to each other and it was actually a little bit before COVID. I rang him saying, I've got a business idea you might like to be interested. He said, funnily enough, I've got a business idea you might like to be interested in. Both companies got started, by the way, which is kind of fun. So the company that Jeremy wanted to start ultimately became Fertilis. He said, so, and this was great because Jeremy's a sort of a classic academic. He says, you know, so if we could you know, improve the way that IVF works, you know, if we could make it, you know, remove some of the challenges in terms of availability and also some challenges in terms of success rates, do you think that might be a company? And I'm going, well, yeah, like a lot. Because, you know, certainly I had had the experience of friends of mine going through IVF and this is the other sort of flip side of this for me. As well as nine companies, I have six children. So this whole thing matters to me a lot, not necessarily from a personal perspective, but I think how I would feel if any of my children couldn't have children. And this has been one of the things that has driven me from a personal perspective. And so Jeremy and I got together and we basically sat for nearly a year, just getting together every couple of weeks and working out how this kind of business could work. I eventually brought in one of my financial modeling guys, and we built a financial model of the kind of business that we could produce. And so this was a really strong way to start. This was a really strong way to sort of build the whole case. And before we even started then getting into building products and working out how we could resolve, as I say, the key issues of, of IVF, which, is, which ultimately means that IVF doesn't really address the needs of in the infertile, particularly well. IVF cycle has about a 30% chance on average across all patients of delivering you a baby today. And this is why you hear about people doing two, three, four, six, eight, ten 10 cycles. And, you know, a typical sort of three cycle baby in the US is, is sort of a $70,000 investment thereabouts. As I say, many people can go well, well north of that and even in countries where the healthcare systems mean that you can essentially do IVF nearly for free, the cost is enormous in the context of the emotional cost, as well as the you know, time off work and all this kind of stuff, because just getting pregnant is only where you're starting. It's then, you know, failing to, uh, the embryo is failing to implant, it's miscarriages, it's all these sorts of things which are an extremely stressful part of the whole process. And so from that, Marty, and thank you for setting the stage there with your co-founder, you know, again, product market fit. When you first went out there and started getting that feedback, what was the initial feedback from those experts, from the folks that would be the end users of these products? What was that initial feedback? So the initial feedback was really strong. And the reason why it was really strong is because we had a really good access to the market. So there's four and a half thousand IVF clinics in the world today. And into our founding group, Jeremy brought uh, David Gardner. And now, so Professor David Gardner, Professor Jeremy Thompson, they're two of the leading embryologists in the world. And in actual fact, David is the number one embryologist in the world. He's currently embryologist of the year. 
globally. And so between the two of them, for those of the, who your audience who, who know something about sort of university research, between the two of them, they have north of 50,000 citations. So they're incredibly well-respected researchers, incredibly highly published researchers that have done amongst the highest levels of work, amongst the most advanced levels of work in this area globally. And one happens to live in Adelaide, my hometown. One lives in Melbourne, an hour flight away. It worked really well. And it also means then that when we've pulled together our contact, our voice of customer, who, how are we going to find out from customers what they want and things like that? We've been able to hook up with a great group of partners across Europe, across US, Japan, some of the biggest IBF markets in the world, as well as obviously here in Australia, and also then go down the path of you know, taking our, our research really solidly from animal through to human and so forth. So what that means is that what we're talking to our, our partners about now is we're saying, well, we're seeing a, a much higher blastocyst rate. So we're much seeing a much higher development rate in the animal than any other way of doing it. And so this is a great pointer to our future success. Now, we've done our human research. We've kicked off our human research in the last few weeks. And you know, we're looking forward to sharing the results of that in the coming months. Perfect. So well, you set the stage for me perfectly, Marty. Obviously, you're getting out there, voice of the customer, product market fit, getting that re- you know, receptivity that this is something that is definitely needed in the marketplace. So let's talk about that something. Who is Fertilis? Fertilis is a company that is, as I say, has recognized that IVF, you know, to be blunt about it, is failing the infertile. This is a fantastic technology that was developed around 1980. It's an extraordinary technology that in many ways shouldn't work at all. There really is no other medical technique which takes something out of the human body, treats it, deals with it in a Petri dish, and then reimplants it. No one's done that in cancer or any, you know, in lots of other sort of major conditions. It's cellular medicine. It's personalized medicine. It's the future, but we've been doing it for 45 years. So the simple thing about it is that in the last 45 years, it hasn't really changed that much. There's been a couple of techniques that have been added to it, but particularly the word that we would say is that the whole process lacks precision and lacks any kind of a feedback loop. And so when you're going to do IVF, it's an incredibly precise thing. You're using micromanipulators. You are, you know, you are shifting tiny things that are a tenth of a millimeter across around from place to place, but you're still opening the incubator every day. You're still picking up an embryo from one drop and dropping it down into another drop, all of which creates stress. Stress is the enemy of embryos. And when we talk about stress and the impact on that, you would typically find you know, a, a typical collection cycle for, for a patient who was in their 20s or 30s. You might get a dozen eggs and you go, well, a dozen eggs, that's, you've got to have a fair chance of having a baby. But from that cycle, you'll only have a one in three chance of having a baby. So in most cases, all dozen eggs have something go wrong. And so this whole business about, well, okay, so what makes it go wrong and how do we deal with that? How do we make that repeatable, more precise? It comes down to let's take that process and understand it very, very well. Let's make it very explicitly repeatable. And when when I'm talking about repeatable, you're dealing with things that are very small here. So our technology lets us think about flow rates, for example, of nanoliters per hour. That's very, very slow. We have possibly the slowest pump that's ever been invented. 
because that's the kind of rate that we need to be able to manage the stress on the embryo. That's the kind of rate which means that we can match these sorts of aspects of the human body in terms of that sort of physical force and so forth that's on the embryo. And so with that, Marty, where are things currently with the company, as you know, as well as I do, when you're talking about medical devices, when you're talking about therapeutics, those things just don't happen overnight and don't hit the market overnight. Where are things currently and how are things going currently? So we are looking to our first product as being one that will treat ICSI. So that's the only fully geek acronym for this session. ICSI stands for intracytoplasmic sperm injection. Some of your viewers might have seen the videos where you'll see an egg being injected with a single sperm. This is, that's ICSI. This is a technique that has become very common. About 70% of all IVF fertilizations happen in this way. And it's particularly strong in treating male infertility because you don't need motile sperm and so forth. And so because it's so precise, because it is so taxing on the embryology staff, we decided that this would be a good thing to do. So we've published work that shows that we can halve the time it takes to do ICSI. And that has an immediate effect on access as well as on the stress of the embryologist and so forth. So we see that as a, as a benefit in itself. And we are, we've seen exceptionally good results in terms of improved success rates in our, in our animal models. And we're starting off down the path towards human trials. As I mentioned, we've started working humans in the last few weeks. Now, what that means is that we'll go through, uh, this is a 510K, as your audience would be familiar, this is a predicate with, with conventional ICSI. And so we're hoping to be able to enter the market in the back end of 2024. So we are, yeah, now kind of locking that first product down while then still, and while then thinking about the other aspects of this, there's probably four main treatments that make up the whole IVF suite. Vitrification, which is egg and embryo freezing. IVF itself, which is, is conventional fertilization. And then embryo culture, which is essentially where you keep the embryos for five days outside the body, grow them to a stage called the blastocyst before re-implanting them. And even something as simple as that, even something as simple as a five-day cell culture, you'll still typically lose half of the embryos during that phase. So we see that there's some great opportunities to use this idea of making the treatment more precise and more repeatable while still providing what Jeremy calls adoptive comfort, while still making it consistent with the way that embryologists work, we see there's some great scope to be able to build devices that can improve on those outcomes. So Marty, if you had to take it out a bit and, and look a little future state, not only for your company, but just kind of the market in mass, right? Uh, things of technology, innovation, the rapidity of how things are moving now in healthcare have been you know, accelerated, is even further accelerated with COVID. Lots of things have changed over the past number of years and are continuing to change more and more rapidly. So with that, Marty, where do you see things heading over the next two to three, three to five years? Obviously, you just mentioned a significant, robust pipeline for Fertilis, but where are things going to go on the macro for these end users, as well as where is Fertilis going to be in that next kind of two to three, three to five years? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, there's about 3 million cycles done each year in the world. And so that's leading to heading for 1 million births a year. But it still means that on average, only about 2% of births in the world are through IVF. We know that one in six couples suffer from fertility issues. And so one of the ways of looking at this is that, you know, of the people who are infertile in America today, 1% of those will have a baby in the next year. 
And so this really brings it home that the, the access to this treatment is extremely poor. Now, we see that by providing devices that work better and provide a higher success rate is part of the problem. The next part of it is, let's also provide devices that mean the treatments can be conducted more efficiently. And then finally, let's provide devices which means that the embryologist can be trained more easily so that we can, through those three steps, if we can achieve those things, we can deliver a step change in the way in which the whole thing is working. Now, the great thing from our perspective is the market itself is growing in a pretty handy way because infertility is growing. So it's becoming harder to have children in the current world. You know, I guess it's a a reasonably commonly known stat that male infertility is increasing. And, you know, by some authors, that's male infertility is doubling every generation. So your son is half as likely to have a child of his own than you are. And so that's quite extraordinary. And that's why we're seeing most of the countries in the world now are not, don't have a birth rate that delivers them a replacement. And so this is now shifting from a personal issue to a population health issue. And so that's sort of an interesting shift for us to be part of. It's also shifting in ways that people didn't expect. So one of the things that happened out of the removal of the one child policy in China is that they found a quarter of couples were infertile. So in other words, a higher rate of infertility in China post the one child policy than we see in the rest of the world. And so there's a whole bunch of sort of macro issues here, which means that fertility needs to be treated as a priority and typically is being by countries that are seeing these, these problems. You're seeing many more countries start to, to adopt this as a, as a public health benefit that they're delivering to their population. I mean, Israel is, is in the lead. They, they basically say, we'll keep treating you for fertility until you have two children for free. And then, you know, in Japan, they've now fully subsidized IVF. Japan's got, you know, well-documented population challenges. Their population's in strong decline. And that has enormous negative impacts on your culture, your economy, so many things. Yeah, it really is. It's a fascinating time when you start thinking about it on the, on the macro global scale. Uh, it is an interesting time to really be thinking about these technologies and what it might be and what it might mean for, like you said, population health or otherwise. Very, very interesting topic. Let's take it back to current state, Marty. We'll put the crystal ball back on the proverbial shelf, if you will. Let's get back to current state and let's engage with our community in regards to how they can be helping you. What's that one problem, need, or question that you have that this community can be helping you with? Look, a tremendous thing for us. We have some great investors supporting us at the moment. We have one of the very strong VC, uh, global VC called Horizons uh, Ventures. But I'm very, very keen to bring a greater spread into our investor pool. So it would be really good to get some US or European-based investment into the company. But the reason for reaching out and doing this is we raised our first money in 2020. We're now raising our, a, another round. Of course, the venture market in this and every other area went fantastically well in 21 and 22. We weren't raising money then. Now it's kind of gone up and down. Yeah, definitely anybody who's interested in this market and particularly can bring us any kind of connections into the other groups where we don't have access. So we have very, very high levels of access, as I say, in the clinics, really, really good access to, to researchers and so forth around the world, access to emerging markets, access to 
payers, these are probably two groups that are less strong for us in terms of our network. So yeah, those two groups, but yeah, the top of the list would be on the investment side. And for those uh, community members interested in getting a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Marty, contact points online, social media handles, otherwise, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, so Fertilis IVF and Fertilis on Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the preferred. I'm marty.govern on both. And marty at fertil.is is the email. So yeah, certainly very happy to see from folks on any of those. Easy enough. And for our listening community, just simply scroll on down into your favorite podcast player where you're listening to this episode. Grab those contact points for Marty and his team. You can add over to our free global online community as well over at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post from Marty's episode where you can also leave some comments and feedback or otherwise and grab those contact points online again over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Marty, a wonderful conversation today. I appreciate you getting up early over in Australia. But before we let you get back to your day over there, we have a fill in the blank for you. I'm a passionate pioneer because... I'm a passionate pioneer because boredom is the enemy. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Marty, I would have to imagine you have not been bored for quite some time. This being your ninth venture, I applaud you. It's amazing what you can learn about yourself and others along the way while building companies. So Marty, we are rooting you on. We appreciate you coming and sharing the Fertilla story with our community. Uh, But for now, thank you again for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.